Um, when I was in college, a group of fraternity brothers had tickets to go see ACDC. How many ACDC, how many know the band ACDC? Raise your hand if you know the band. How many ACDC fans out there? Any ACDC fans? All right, well, there are a handful of uh, ACDC fans out there. Um, they offered to loop me in on tickets, and I took a hard pass on that. I was like, nope, thanks. ACDC is just, it's not my music, a little too heavy metal, a little too hard. I, I was not necessarily interested. Van Halen, you too, I'm in, but not ACDC. So, as it turns out, the day of the concert came. I had told them if I, you know, I'd find something else to do that weekend. Day of the concert comes, I had nothing else to do that weekend because I was at school in Rolla, Missouri, and there's nothing to do there. And they were all going to the concert, and one of the guys canceled. And so last minute, they were like, hey, he's like, I got this ticket. I can't go. Do you want to go in my place? Uh, you don't have to pay for the ticket. And I was like, all right, fine, I'll go. And so... So I go with this group of guys. We drive to St. Louis, about an hour and a half drive. And, uh, and we stopped because we needed nourishment before the concert. So we stopped at White Castles because this is where college guys eat uh, in, in my generation. And, uh, and we're at dinner and my friend Dave says, he's like, look, I know you're not like a huge ACDC fan. But he's like, you will enjoy this. He's like, watch Angus, the lead guitar player. It's like, watch Angus play. Like, just, just watch him. Just keep your eyes on him and, and watch. I, I'm sure you're going to like it. So we get to the concert, and, uh, and it was loud. I don't know if any of you have been to an ACDC concert. Like, I probably still have hearing loss from, uh, from this experience. It was it, like too loud, like hurt your ears loud. And, uh, um, and it, I, I don't like most of the music. There are a few songs, but for the most part, not, still not my music. I was uncomfortable. Like, the, the room just had this sense of, like, anger and angst in it. And I, it's just... I mean, for those that like that, that's great, but it wasn't me. And so, uh, like all these things. But I took Dave's advice, and I watched Angus play that guitar, and oh my, could he play. He could play behind his back. He could play over his head. He could play while switching out guitar. Like, he'd just throw him a guitar when, when a string broke, and he'd start playing the next one, like, without I mean, it was amazing. And I, I think back to that experience, and I think I, I could have gone to that concert and looked for all the things that I did not like about that environment or that band, and I would have found them all and could have been miserable. But Dave invited me to see something else. He invited to see something that would bring me joy, something within all of that that I might like. And so I ended up having a great night with friends. And now, you know, there's just something about saying, yeah, I've been to an ACDC concert. <laughs> I have a theory I think that when we look for something, we tend to find it. So if we look for pain and hurt and struggle and think that it's going to be miserable, I think we find misery. And I think if we look and search for goodness and hope and pinpoints of light, I think more than likely we find it. You may or may not agree with this idea or, the, or this theory, but I just invite you to hold that thought as we dive into Matthew today. Let's pray. God, open our, our eyes today just to, to see what you'd have us see. And open us to hear your word and and for each one of us just to just hear what you need to say to us today. 
And God, open our, our hearts to, to your love, to be inspired again, to be filled again, to feel your spirit moving again, and then inspire us to, to share how we see God moving. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So here at Clay Church, we have been walking through the gospel of Matthew. Over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the baptism of Jesus, and we looked at the temptation of Jesus. Today, we're going to look at what comes next. We're going to pick it up at Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, and this is what it says. When Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Land of Zebulun and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. How many of you, just out of curiosity, have heard that, that line before? The people living in darkness have seen a great light. It's one that a lot of people know. It's one that you maybe heard at Christmas time. We often, often hear it around Christmas time. It's comforting. It's hopeful. Like this line of scripture, it would speak to itself. Isn't that a great thought that in the darkness there's, there's light? But if we stop there, if we stop at that one verse, we, we might miss something that's even more profound than what Matthew is saying as he's beginning to introduce what, what Jesus, who Jesus is and what Jesus is about to do. Some of you may know this, but, and some of you may not. Um, when Matthew wrote his gospel, he was writing to a primarily Jewish audience. So like Luke, we think, was writing to, to, to Gentiles, people who were maybe around the temple but weren't part of the temple. Matthew seems to be writing to a Jewish audience, people who were, who were at the temple worshiping. And he's trying to help them understand who Jesus is. And so he ends up quoting the Old Testament a lot because he would know that his audience, these Jewish people, they would know the Old Testament. When he quotes Isaiah in this passage, he can count on his audience. Probably they knew this story. They probably knew what came before it, and they probably knew what came after it. And I, I share that just as we think about studying the Bible, as you think about studying the Bible on your own or in, in Bible study groups, one of the richest practices when you see a little note in your Bible that says, you know, uh, quotes Isaiah or the Psalms or, or some other Old Testament passage, go back and read it as well. And even better, read what's before and read what's after it because this is what can happen. Matthew quotes Isaiah. Well, if we go back and look at Isaiah, we begin to realize that Isaiah is talking to a group of people that are in exile. They've lost their homes. They've been transported to a strange land. They don't know what their future holds. They're starting to ask if God is even with them. Like they're having all these, these questions. Questions maybe that we have sometimes when we're in dark places like, God, are you even there? And Isaiah, in response to those questions, he says to this people that are suffering and struggling, he says, Look, hang in there, right? This is the promise that God has made. God has promised to be with you, and God is going to bring forth a king. He's going to bring forth a king that's going to deliver you, a king that is going to show you the way to live. He says to them, yes, yes, people have made some mistakes, and and people have been humbled because of those mistakes. The choices that, that the people have made, they had consequences, 
but those consequences are not going to define God's people. You don't have to live in the shame of that anymore. You don't have to suffer anymore. If you'll just turn, turn back to God, you'll be, able to see the, you'll be able to see that God's promise is still real for you. And then, I think it gets even better, if we read what's just before that, right? Imagine Matthew's audience, they know that there's more to the story. And this is what happens before that. Isaiah, before he tells them of this promise, he says to them, essentially, like, why are you going to fortune tellers and, and these, why are you turning away from me and going to, to mediums and trying to ask them for advice? Because what they're saying to you is just to go out and look for the gloom and the distress. They're making you even more fearful. And that's, that's what you're going to see if you follow their way. He says, instead, I have another way. Put your hope in God. Turn back to God and put your trust in God. And you'll find that God's promise is real and that God is work even now in redeeming God's people. As Matthew is starting the story of Jesus, he refers back to, to this story in Isaiah. And it's like Matthew is saying to his audience, look, you know this story. You've read it. And God was true to God's promise and it's happening again. Only this time as it's happening, God is sending a Messiah. God is sending Jesus and Jesus is going to show you the way. So I want you to pay attention to the story. If you're despairing right now or you're wondering if God is even there right now, or you're just struggling in your life right now, or if everything's dark and gloomy right now, pay attention and hang on to God's promise. And watch what Jesus will show you. And then, Matthew turns back to the story of Jesus. And he just, it's just one line here as he, as he starts his preaching. And this is what Jesus says. Very first line Matthew has him speak as a preacher. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. There's actually a, a translation of this, if you go back to the Greek. I like this a little bit better. It's, Turn back to God, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is, is coming. It's real. It's, it's right now. In a sense, Matthew answers the question, how do we see the light that Isaiah is talking about? How do we experience this goodness, this way of seeing the world that isn't just doom and gloom and, and fear? And Jesus says it right off the bat, repent. Turn back to God. Turn and, and face Jesus. And, and you'll find the strength and the hope that you need to carry on through life. This weekend and tomorrow we remember Martin Luther King Jr. in the, in the civil rights movement. Most, many of our students are out of school tomorrow as we, as we celebrate Martin Luther King Jr.'s life and if you read his letters and his sermons or, or you read anything that he has written, you will realize pretty quickly that the way that Martin Luther King Jr. found hope in the darkest of times, times when people wanted to kill him while he was getting death threats, the way that he found hope was to keep his eyes on Jesus. 
to keep his eyes fixed on God. And thus the movement that he began, it wasn't based on like rising up and taking power with, with violence or, or meeting violence with violence or hate with hate. It was, it was finding strength in the fearful times by just continuing to be square in the love of Jesus. He wrote in his book, Strength to Love, this quote that a lot of people have seen, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And in many ways, most, most of our kids in school have studied that what came out of that sense of God's presence, that sense of staying with eyes focused on, on Jesus, was a vision of the way the world that could be, a vision that we continue to share in churches and in political venues all over a vision of what the world can look like in God's love. Some of you have seen me use this illustration before. I'll apologize in advance because there are going to be a handful of people here who, because of the way the, the brain works and the eyes work, this, this won't necessarily work. But for many of you, uh, I want to invite you to just stare at the picture on the screen. Just stare and, stare and don't blink. Keep staring at it. In a moment, I'm going to count to 15. I want you to try and keep your eyes open. It's okay if you blink a little bit. But just stare at that picture right at the center. Keep staring at it. And when I'm done counting, I'm going to count to 10. When I'm done counting, I want you to turn to a blank wall and, and just kind of blink or keep blinking. All right, 10, 9, 8. Keep staring at it. 7, 6. Five, four, three, two, one. Now look at a blank wall and blink. I can see it worked for some people. For those that, uh, for those that it worked for, what did you see? Jesus. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Your brain, like, it actually fills in the rest. For those of you it didn't work for, again, I apologize you didn't get that, oh my gosh, it's Jesus moment. But there's probably a lesson in that too, in that you don't need an optical illusion to know that Jesus is with us and to see Jesus at work in our lives. We just have to keep our eyes on, on who Jesus is. And the way we do that is to immerse ourselves in, in this biblical truth that teaches us the way of Jesus in our lives. Today, in just a moment, we're going to celebrate the gift, the sacrament of baptism. And part of the reason we're doing that today is as we recognized Jesus' baptism a couple weeks ago, it made kind of a natural, natural invitation, but part of the reason we do it today is that as we think about this invitation to allow the Holy Spirit to be part of our lives, which is what we, what we acknowledge at our baptism, it's an invitation to also sort of put on glasses, like God glasses, to see the world differently. It's an invitation to, to go, you know what, when, when all I see is, is pain and hurt in relationships, to begin to go, but, but God is at work and, and the other is a child of God and I am a child of God. And to, to see that, which can be hard to see sometimes, it's to put on those glasses and, and say, you know what, when every seems, everything seems to be falling apart, there is a, a church I can turn to or a church family or spiritual friends. God is at work in this situation.
And when the, when the end of life comes for those we love or, 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 or friends or, or others, we can, we can look and put on those glasses and see, you know what? Death does not have the final word. We know in Jesus that life has no end. This is the point where I want to invite you to take out your glasses. There are some of us here today who I'm sure are having rough spells in life. And it probably feels really dark. And I'm going to guess there are some here today that are kind of confused and not sure and have lots of questions. And there are certainly some here today who are like, you're certain of your faith, but, but you've realized it's time to not just go through the motions. You're ready to be inspired and, and to live it and to see what God can do in your, in your life and in the life of those around you. Wherever you are, I want to invite you to, to put on the glasses right now if you haven't already. And as you do, I want to invite you to, to either look up at the lights or look at the Edison lights that are on the front of the stage. And as you look, I want you to, to just notice what you see, right? What do you see? You see rainbows, right? Diffracts the light, and there, there are rainbows all around. And what, is the, what does the rainbow symbolize in our faith? Like, right, it's a, it's a promise, it's a promise that God is true to God's covenant. Now, you don't have to leave the glasses on if you don't want. You're welcome to if you want to. But I want you, before you take them off, notice one more thing, which is that the rest of the, what's in the glasses, it doesn't change. The world doesn't just change because we put the glasses on. Right? What's, what's there in the world, it, it doesn't sort of magically change it. But what it changes is how we see it changes, it allows us to see dimensions of, of light at work in the world that we can't see without the glasses. This is our invitation in baptism or remembering our baptism to allow and, and claim the Holy Spirit at work in us and then to be able to look at the world, know that what we see isn't different from everybody else, but to see those glimpses of light where God is at work. Now, people will think you're pretty funny looking if you walk around with the glasses. So what I want to invite you to do is take these home, put them somewhere, and just when things seem really dark or gloomy or you're depressed, just put on the glasses and look and use them as a reminder. Look at a light and re remind yourself that God is at work in ways that you can't see. When I was in ministry in Indianapolis, I was on call one weekend, and I was asked to visit a young couple who just had a baby boy about three weeks, maybe four weeks before that. And they'd taken the baby home. Everything was great. Baby seemed healthy, happy. It was all good for a couple weeks. And then the, the baby started having issues and, uh, um, and had, it was GI issues, and the skin started turning color, and uh, they ended up having emergency surgery. I walked into the, to the hospital room, not knowing the couple at all. They weren't active members of our church. Somebody just knew them. And, and I don't know how many of you have walked into a NICU, but um, to walk into a NICU and just see the baby hooked up to all these, I mean, it was, just, it was just heartbreaking. And the couple talked about 
kind of the last week and all the, all the struggles. And then they shared, and I don't remember the exact reason, but for some reason the chaplain that had come um, uh, in the midst of, of the day before's challenges had told them he, he couldn't do a baptism for them. And she's like, I just, I just want to know that, that my child's been baptized. And I was, I was new. I was super new in ministry and, and young. And I'm like, we, we can do a baptism. I just want you to know what the baptism means is that, that while the whole church can't be here, that the church is wrapped around you. Is there anybody you'd like to be there? And, and she said, yeah, her mom. And so I, I left um, and, uh, and went and got water and then came back. By the way, just if this story doesn't make sense, like why did the pastor have to go get water for a baptism? Because you can just use any water. Um, it's because I was new and I didn't even pause to think that I didn't need to go get water. But I walked back in the room with the water and the, the grandmother had come and, uh, and we baptized that baby guy. And, uh, and I remember that moment like it was yesterday, like it's just vivid. I remember the tears and just this sense of relief that came over the mom. I remember the dad hugged, hugging me, and I remember her saying, uh, he doesn't hug guys. Uh, I just remember the sense of the Holy Spirit holding us in that room. And I was so thankful that this family knew in the gift of the baptism and the Spirit in that room that they weren't alone, that they had a faith family. And they didn't know what the future would hold, but, but it allowed them for a moment to, to see that God was at work and to see a little bit of light and to hang on to hope. And not all stories have a happy ending, but that little guy pulled through. We got to welcome him at the church into the larger church family eight or nine months later, right around his first birthday. A number of years later, I was here at Clay Church, and I was invited to baptize a longtime guest of our food pantry, Phyllis. Actually, I was invited first to go and visit, and I went and had a, had a nice visit with her. She had cancer, and I, I think she knew the end was in sight at that point. She then asked if I could come and, and baptize her. And so I went with a number of our, our food pantry uh, volunteers, and we went to her house, and we read scripture. Her favorite scripture, I don't remember when we read it, but her favorite scripture was the Beatitudes. And, um, um, and then we baptized her. And I remember in that moment, like I remember again, the tears and the hugs and the, and the, the joy. I remember Phyllis just beaming. Like she was, she was just, just beaming with the, with the Holy Spirit. It was so important to her, she'd said, the very first time we'd met, to be baptized, to profess her faith in a God whose love knows no boundaries, not even death. Not too long after that, Phyllis passed. She had a... Uh, a child with, with special needs, and I know she was worried about her family, which meant I was really thankful when the family reached out to Clay Church to help with the funeral and the grieving process and the, and the first steps after her passing. Baptism opened this door, right? Allowed them to see that they weren't alone, that there was a community, that, that God's love was there. Allowed them to hear a promise of life eternal as they began that, that walk of, of grief for their mom and grandma, and to know that life was ahead. This is our invitation to know that same power of that same spirit by remembering our baptisms today. Let me invite you in a few moments, 
this music playing to just, just hear this invitation of the Holy Spirit today. And maybe you'll come forward today and, and maybe you won't and that's okay. God is in this wherever you are. But if you sense this invitation of the Spirit just to, to touch the water or to get into the water and be made whole in Christ, come forward. If you sense today that, that you need a path forward beyond the gloom and the depression or the fears that are ruling your life right now, come forward. If you need to feel excited about being the church for the world again, come forward. If you look around and you're like, it feels like evil is winning, it feels like we're divided and, and I, there's no path forward, then come forward and see that God offers a way. Let me invite you to, to pray silently with a loved one together for a few moments and then, and then hear the invitation. Let me invite you to join me in these words that you'll see on the screen. It's a promise just to, to walk in this love of Jesus in our lives. Would you join me? I will pursue the faithful life, reaching out to God each day, reaching out to serve someone this week, and reaching one more person with the love of God. May you know the love of God in your heart this day. May you feel the Spirit move. May you carry that Spirit to see the world in a new way, and may you point out where there's hope, where there's joy, where the Spirit is moving, so that all may experience the kingdom of heaven coming near. Amen? Amen.